Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome back to, oh my gosh, this is the last episode of the year. This is our final episode of 2022. And y'all know I could not end the year without bringing back my friend and a friend of the podcast, playwright, theater critic, journalist, Calundra Smith is in the living room with us, y'all. Y'all. Listen, okay, I invited Calendra the first time because I just think that you're brilliant and we love talking TV and art and stage things together. And then the second year, because this this is our third year now, I think, right? Okay, so the second year I was like, that was fun. I'm going to ask Calendra again. And I really hadn't decided what I was doing towards the end of the year this year. And then Jesus and Miro... (laughs) Uh, had happened and Kalundra and I were tweeting to one another because I was like I was probably going to ask Kalundra anyways but now we have to come together during these difficult cultural times so I want to open up the episode right here we're going to be talking about some of the best maybe worst but mostly best TV things from 2022 Mm-hmm. But I got to begin with an ode to Jesus and Miro because, I mean, how are you faring with the way things ended? I'm not faring well at all. I'm not okay. I just want to be vulnerable and share that I'm not okay because I just don't know. A, we they made us have to get through an election cycle without Jesus and Miro, which just feels disrespectful. It do. And- <laughs> it do. And then it's like, who is going to like actively take down Hotep Twitter and Instagram now? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like. (laughs) And really, you know, not to be really inappropriate in our conversation, Calendra, but also who is going to inappropriately mention anal sex as many times in a television show as Miro did? Like... Sucio boys. Wow. I mean, I just, 
But let me tell you how you know a show has had such a vast cultural impact. I saw people of all ages, races, you name it, coming up with conspiracy theories <laughs> as to what may have happened <laughs> that made Jesus and Meryl go away. I ain't gonna lie. They sent me down a Reddit thread because I was trying to figure yes. out, I, I, on, a, on a money level, I was trying to figure out how y'all mess up y'all money like this because something like if two friends, you know, like say, say if they was Amina and Calundra late night show is right. like on, on the very basis that me and you getting money. And if you get in showtime money, it's like you get best, better money than a lot of other money situations. Even if we don't rock, I feel like we need to sit down and have a meeting and be like, how long are we going to act like we rock? <laughs> right, so we can right. get this money. I, I don't fake the funk with you forever. Like Listen, I don't understand that. I don't get it. <laughs> I was like, some got to be bad, bad for y'all to ruin y'all's bags over this. Like, but like, do you think it was? See, we're now conspiracy theory well, because this is what happened. It also sent me to following producers on Twitter. Oh, and did online to try did? to figure out what mm-hmm. happened? Shout out to Josh. In heaven, okay, I'm out here. I'm out here too. I'm out here too. Like maybe they. I was like Julia. What's going on? Julia, explain this. Explain it. So I was like, is it that there's something personal between them, or is it the network? Mm. Like, was the network putting pressure on them to reformat the show in a certain way, and that didn't feel true to them, and so they had creative differences? And you know, I just it's. They've left us with so many unanswered questions and all, I mean, I guess I'm gonna have to just find a chopped cheese to comfort myself. I don't know. I mean, and and the way it left us so abruptly, I still can't get over that. I'm like, whatever beef happened, it wasn't like we was at the end of a season. Was it the end of a season, Calendra? And it just feel like it wasn't? It felt like they were about to go on a break, but not the mm, end of a season. Mm, mm-hmm. And then they were basically like, we ain't coming back from break. This is going to be the last episode. And I was like, did the Rihanna baby shower do it? Like, I just don't know. <laughs> what are the vibes like? And I'm I'm sorry for those of y'all that are like, what is y'all talking about? Jesus and Miro is a late night show. And listen, if you have never watched Jesus and Miro, just go on, go back. I know it's going it's gonna hurt your feelings when you get to the end and you realize it ain't no more. But go on and go back and watch this because Jesus and Miro have had their podcast together, the Bodega Boys, which mm-hmm. parlayed into a deal with Vice, yes. where they were initially a show on Vice and then this late night show on Showtime, which some seasons was once a week, and then some seasons it was twice a week. I wish it would have been every day, to be honest. It was one of the most unique late-night show formats, number one. And number two, we know that late-night historically has just been very white. Mm-hmm. So to have these two men of color here giving their very New York perspective, mm-hmm. it was such a unique thing. Like, the segments, I... And they had a New York Times bestselling book called God Level Knowledge Darts. Mm -hmm, Got a copy. You know, Mm because the whole thing is that they met as teenagers growing up in the Bronx. Deezus is the child of Jamaican immigrants. Mero is the child of Dominican immigrants. They meet in high school. Years later, they are reunited. They start just kind of doing these riffs and commentary about life and culture in the Bronx. But then what happens is that they so brilliantly made the Bronx a microcosm of America. And where we really get you know, the excellence of Deces and Marrow to me was in the pandemic. Yeah. When they had the little ticker tape that yes. would go across the beginning of every episode with like commentary about what was going on. It is worth your while to go back and just read the little ticker tape that they did across <laughs> those Zoom episodes <laughs> because somebody was writing comedic brilliance. Mm-hmm. Also, they did their own verses. As if it was like you right. Beethoven versus, versus Mozart. And that was like utter and complete foolishness that like was so delightful. And then on top of that, Z-Way, yes. who has this show on Showtime as well, was a writer on Deezus and Meryl. So That's I'm just right. like, 
How did this happen? I'm still I'm still clearly mm-hmm. distressed. Mm-hmm. I'm distressed. Very much. Like it feels it feels like a a gap. It was always a gap in my life when they would be like, we going on a break or they would be like, oh, the season's over. And I would really be like disappointed. And then some the one season when they went from two episodes a week down to one, I was like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do that other night? Like it's a whole week of stuff going by. Like what I'm going to miss out on that. I appreciated about this show the characters that were very much Bronx centric. The mm-hmm. one man that would always say, take it ease. <laughs> oh yes yes uh what was his why name? can't i remember joey? his name right now oh was my gosh joey? i feel like it was joey or something oh my gosh and then this anchor man no it was good time tommy good time, time tommy. Tommy. yes it that's it it was tommy. tommy he would be on there doing we do it old school oh my gosh <laughs> like just that this anchor man that they were just so obsessed Maurice with Dubois. <laughs> Maurice Dubois on the news. I don't even watch the news in the Bronx. And I'm just like, shout out to Maurice. Like <laughs> the the interview that they did with David Letterman and right. the way that I was like, there's a few moments that happen in your life that I'm like, if that happens to you and nothing else happens to you, like you're all right. Like you good. Like as a late night, as two late night hosts, David Letterman looking at them and being like, this is what, this the future right here. This the future. This is what late night supposed to be. David Letterman? David yeah. Letterman? I would have been like, you really can't tell me anything about my life. Like, David Letterman basically looked at us and told us we geniuses. The interview they did with Barack Obama, with President Barack Obama, still to this day, is yes. one of the most wild <laughs> things AOC, that interview when AOC came around the corner talking about Europe, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then made them drinks at the bar she used to work at. And it was just like, what is happening here? And that is truly the essence of that show. It was, it was like, they would go find the wildest stuff that nobody else was talking about. Or they would get on the streets and they would talk to the people and get the real perspective about like what was happening. And that's the thing. No one else is truly like centering working class people of color in anything. Yes, yes. And that's what they did. And they didn't talk down to their audience. They were like, no, these are people who like have real opinions, what they feel and think matters. Like this is America. And I just, I don't know. And then we're losing Trevor Noah on the Daily Show. So like, it's just the whiteout. I don't know. What are we supposed to do now? I just, I just want to just hand to heart, want to give a shout out to Deezus Samiro. Obviously y'all listen to the podcast. And um, I just, I don't know what the beef was. I don't know the details. I tried to read as much as I could read. And I still don't know if it was the truth. It's like, I really, on the one hand, I want both of y'all to thrive, but I hope one day y'all could squash this beef and selfishly come back on television. But even if you don't come back on television, I hope y'all squash this beef because this was a friendship Mm -hmm. before it became a thing that we got to consume and y'all really like revolutionized something in television and if y'all can't come back and do it i hope y'all lay some groundwork that some other voices that are picking up on people who are being left out of the late night conversation can happen but Jesus and Miro, y'all are missed i really i don't know i don't know calendra i still feel my feelings about this one. Oh, same like i often on sundays sucio sunday okay sucio and- sunday and yours day. Um, <laughs> Come you know, on, yours day. <laughs> I really, I don't know. It's 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 a hole for me, and no one has filled it, and it makes me sad. And I just, I don't know. It's there's no closure here. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's like it's kind of like I still follow both of them, and seeing them do things separately, like it make my heart ache a little bit. I'll be like, yes, the friendship to me has to survive. Yeah, I could be okay with the show ending if the friendship survives. Yeah, yeah. But if I don't have the show or the friendship, yikes, I'm like, no, no, wait. (laughs) Okay, I mean, it's kind of like an Andre 3000 moment, you know? It's like, I would love for Andre 3000 to be out here 
just making a gang of music and performing and touring all over the place. How be ever, it seems that Andre 3000 has a happier life when he just play his flute in the airport and just meet up with random people at a coffee shop someplace. So do I want his music? Yes. I would prefer a healthy Andre 3000. And if a healthy Andre 3000 just played a flute some places and he don't never, never <laughs> make another record, then mm-hmm. I'll settle for that. And that is totally, I feel the same way about Jesus and Mero. It's like, would I love to see y'all at some point, like come back together and figure some things out and redo some things. I would love to see it. But more than that, I would just love a little picture of y'all's Timberlands together <laughs> so that we know y'all all right. Y'all good with each other. Weren't they supposed to have a line of Tibbs? What happened? They did. It was, everything was short-lived. Everything, I, Calandra, I'm moving on because we, I'm not going to be crying. But just know, Jesus, Miro, y'all listening, we miss y'all. Okay, let's talk about some happy news. I want to get involved mm-hmm. in best sitcom of 2022, Calandra. Oh, Tell we me. know what the best sitcom I mean, is. are we drum roll? Is it not Abbott Elementary? I mean, I don't know what the other option would be. <laughs> Look, Quinta man. came in and was like, I'm going to take the most basic thing that everybody in America does and like milk it for as much content as possible. And she can literally, as far as I'm concerned, just get renewed for the next 15 seasons. Big facts. Big super like, facts. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm hooked. I'm there. <laughs> I mean, because, okay, if I bring the if I bring the office into the chat, which to me is the last TV show that I remember watching as an adult and at some point being like, this is going to be a classic. But I feel like The Office was way more seasons in before that mm-hmm. thought was coming to me. Like if I like when I go back and rewatch The Office now, I'm like, dang, this was kind of. This was kind of amazing from the beginning. But from the beginning, I was kind of like, man, they really just going to do this show about people working in the office? Like, I don't know. It was like season two, season three before I was like, say what? We got to make sure we home when the office come on. Like, I didn't feel like that right away. Abbott Elementary really off of episode one had me like, yes, okay, we're Wednesdays. We're Thursday. It's Tuesday. What day we doing? Because (laughs) yes, like immediately Quinta had me like, oh my gosh, the ensemble, the teachers, The stu- I, uh, yes, she had me right away. Well, and she sucked millennials in because she got Jesse from the Parent Trap, who we loved with Lindsay Lohan, mm-hmm. and uh, what's his name, Jesse Tyler? Is it Williams? Yes, Williams. yes. Hey, Chris got him, and then you got uh, D from Moesha. And like it. she basically went and got our faves, and like was like. Here's a workplace comedy that is going to very smartly dissect like the issues with public school systems in America, but in a way that is lighthearted, that's funny. And we're going to center the most poorly dressed, awkward black girl (laughs) possible as our protagonist. And she ain't she's going to have a boyfriend that is. Like a YouTube rapper. Is like utterly useless. She has the most useless man. If she was my friend, I would be like, you know, you know the skit that Janet Jackson did before uh, What Have You Done For Me Lately? When her Mm. girls was talking to her and her girls was like, but what has he done for you lately? Like, I would literally be like that to Janine's like character. I'd be like, Janine, what do he do besides Millie Rock? What do he do for you? Nothing. Nothing. Tariq is got to be. And the thing is, we didn't know this about Tariq from the beginning. And that's part of the brilliance of the show. Mm-hmm. When we meet Tariq, there's this outcry from the audience of like, oh no, Janine's boyfriend is awful. <laughs> He's trash. <laughs> He's trash. Like we weren't ready. <laughs> like she got to be a teacher on a budget. She got to deal with all this bureaucracy and all the terrible things going on that's making teachers' jobs hard. And her boyfriend, she basically like supporting him. He don't really do nothing for her. Mm-mm. I want to thank Abbott Elementary for this low simmer 
of chemistry between Janine and Gregory. Am I making that up? That's not his yes. name. That is his name, Gregory, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The chemistry between the two of them at work, it is giving me what I loved about Jim and Pam. It is okay. giving me the slow burn that made me just stick in there for the office. Because really, it's like after a while, I was like, oh, snap, the office is really about these two people. Like, I thought this was a comedy about the people working in this corporate office. But it's really about these two people, like, falling in love. Will they, won't they? I love the way Quinta is giving us these these little these little moments of simmer. But we are now in our second season, and these two people are still not together. And I'm going to watch it, Calundra. I'm going to watch until they finally... They got to kiss. We got to do something. We need something. But you know what? She's built the characters in such a way that she can drag this out because Gregory is an oddball who hates food. (laughs) He does hate food! (laughs) When he was in the car hiding his little boring sandwiches he was eating, I cannot. (laughs) I can't. And then, like, Janine is like, socially awkward and oblivious to things, but also like super like bouncy and all over the place. Eternal optimist, even in the most like not optimistic circumstances. Yes. 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 And then shout out to Janelle James, who made like the world's worst principal. Yes. The most endearing character (laughs) yes it's like it's almost like it's not even a love to hate because i don't hate her it's just like she fast her and her her ability to choose to be inept fascinates me (laughs) because it's not like baby's not smart it's not like baby can't understand the vibes of the job it's her choice to be Mm -hmm. like it's tiktok for me and not y'all jobs and what y'all need from me as a boss is not that I'm choosing my TikTok hustle over y'all. That's wild. And they're setting us up for the utter and complete hot mess. That will be the moment where Gregory chooses Janine and not Ava. Ooh, she is going to be wrecked. She is going to be like you choosing this girl who can't even match a sweater with her skirt. Like you really, (laughs) Like you really choosing her over all this badass bitch? Like really? It's her Janine is giving Laura Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> Janine is somehow giving like if there was a rainbow or dots version of anthropology the store. That is what Janine's character is giving us, and I don't. I, I've never seen that combination until I looked at her. Like wow, this is wow. Well, I don't even know what it would be called. Like, it's going to, you know what it's going to be called? She's giving us sociology, but it's like (laughs) G-E-E. That's the store. It's like rainbow, dots, (laughs) shoe warehouse, sociology. (laughs) Not cottage core for the broke. Okay. Okay. I was like, baby is matching these florals with these pastels and stripes. I just, uh, and she's like 4'10 and the colors don't coordinate. The clothes are wearing her. It's a mess. Mm -mm. It's a mess. And then, of course, we have, um, you know, Melissa who is always in leather leggings. It's like, how are you like a mob boss teaching second grade in leather leggings? Okay. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. And I, I I need to give, I wish I knew the actress's name. I'm going to try to see if I can find her name before. Lisa Ann Walters. Lisa Ann Walters. And then this season, she has a TA. The actress (laughs) who is playing her TA, who I first encountered on the last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And she had me 
on Curb Your Enthusiasm, she had me like, who is this hilarious lady that walked in to this television show? So when they were like, you're about to get a TA and they showed the little sneak peek of the next episode. And I was like, that's going to be her TA. Yes. Bring more hilarious people into this situation. Let them interact together. Now, Melissa got a TA that she got to teach <laughs> she can't even get just unadulterated help. <laughs> she got to teach her how to be a TA. Woo! Yes, yes. Love to see it. Love to yes. see it. Oh my gosh. I'm going to find her name before we hang up, y'all, because that girl had me hollering. I don't know. Are you a Curb Your Enthusiasm person or does Larry David I'm wear not, you so out? I never, I was not an office or Curb Your Enthusiasm person. I was a park and recreation person. Mm, okay. So, you know, the Ben Leslie is the same as like mm-hmm. the Gregory, you know, Janine or the Pam Jim, you know, and then I don't know what would be kind of the other equivalent of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Always Sunny is probably a little too dark, but. <laughs> right, right, right. I w- um, and I was not a big Seinfeld fan, but I went back to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and was like, this thing is hilarious. So now now Kalundra and I have to have a special group chat, but it's just the two of us, where I'm going to be like, don't even watch the whole show. Just watch this episode <laughs> so that you can <laughs> see this girl. Okay, her name is Kayla Monterosa Mejia. Kayla, I know you listening to the podcast. Sis, you're hilarious. Everything yeah. you do makes me laugh here for it. Okay, let's also talk about let's talk about Cheryl because I feel like oh. I I I'm this Emmy moment out here. This Emmy moment, I She's our dream girl. And that's just what it is. She's been our dream girl. She remains our dream girl. Like she walks as our dream girl. Um, on this earth. The thing about Cheryl Lee Ralph is that she's just been doing it for so long and she's so seasoned and like, so who she is. Yes. Like, and, and it, it comes through in the character, Barbara, who is also absurdly funny, but like in a different kind of way. Yes. Like Barbara, how are you going to say you going to start a garden and can't garden? Like- huh? Okay. The episode where they had the bit where her character kept confusing who was white and who was black. I thought my stomach was going to hurt from laughing. So, because the, the, the wonderful part about this writing is, I, I don't know about other people because I'm black, but a lot of the black people I know have at least a family member. Yes. Or someone you go to church with. It's like mm-hmm. somebody, it's like people who are black have somebody else black they know who always does a thing like this, that like this, some kind of names, they going to mix it up. And you like, grandma, I don't think that when you saying that person name, like, I I don't think that's who you think it is. My person is my father. Mm. My father Mm -hmm. thinks like when he says a person's name, I'm like, and it's the thing you never correct them, but you know who they're talking about because it's like, you have gotten this person's name wrong. It's not who that is. My father has killed many a celebrity. He swears they're all dead. Um, and I'm just like, that person is still alive. You're thinking about the wrong person. Please. I mean, um, it's like my mom at the beginning of the pandemic talking about, you know, I was reading about this website where interracial couples would get on there and they make it a lot of money. People just watching them eat food. Am I going to tell my mom that's OnlyFans? I'm not going to tell my mom oh, that she's no. thinking about OnlyFans, that that's why they're watching interracial couples eat food. It's not a YouTube. interracial OnlyFans thing a thing? Is that a a thing? Apparently, there are interracial couples that have carved out a niche for themselves on OnlyFans where they are eating food. I don't know if they're eating this food off of each other or just eating food together, but it was like the way my mom was describing it. I knew right away. (laughs) That this is not a harmless, this is not a family-oriented situation that we're doing. But oh. I'm not going to say only fans. I'm not going to say it. I don't want, we don't want that information out there with our no. parents. No. No, because I definitely don't want them to then explore <laughs> what it is and then Mm-mm. be trying to, like, pass out anointing oil. Okay. <laughs> okay. Extending their faith. Okay. No. <laughs> 
No. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned another sitcom that you love. And I was very excited that you sent me this. I I want to talk about, I love that for you. I need, I need to discuss it. Tell me the vibes, Calundra. So first of all, let me just say, shout out to Jennifer Lewis. Uh-huh. Because never, ma'am, will you come off of seven seasons of a hit TV show on ABC, which was blackish, and then turn around and give to what is to me some of the best acting she's done on television with this ridiculous show on Showtime. I love that for you. Let me just explain to the people, because I feel like I love that for you is like one of those shows that's like in the back corner of Showtime Mm -hmm. because like it got overshadowed by Yellow Jackets, but like you need to get into this. So the premise of this show is that this girl who had juvenile cancer used to watch the home shopping network to make herself feel better. And she, her aspiration in life was to be a host on the home shopping network. Her dream comes true, but it don't come true in the way that you Ooh, think it is. My, my. And that's all I'm going to say mm-hmm. to not give away too many spoilers. Mm-hmm. But this show is absolutely absurd. I hope they, I think they did get renewed. Yes. And I hope two. that they get renewed. They can also drag this out forever for Period. me. Period. I'm ready. Period. Sign me up. Okay, y'all. First of all, y'all need to know that Kalundra and I exchange notes before we do this these here episodes because I could literally talk to Kalundra all day. Okay, <laughs> like all day long. Like I could have an eight hour episode talking to Kalundra and I, we would break to eat and that's it. Okay, so we have to like compare notes. So when I get her notes, I'm like, oh, yes, because then like I know like I know the shows that we both watched. And then there'll be some shows that I'm like, oh, I didn't watch that one. So I can't wait to hear like what Kalendra's going to tell us. Listen, I love that for you. Y'all need to get involved. As soon as I saw Jennifer Lewis, Molly Shannon, and oh. Vanessa Bayer, I <laughs> I was like, oh, no, not y'all putting all three of them on the same show. Huh? Foolishness. Molly Shannon is a nut. And like, I don't know how she walks and exists in life being as ridiculous as she is because I'm like this isn't acting you are this crazy yes but the thing is <laughs> Molly Shannon in this show is not being as like it's wacky but not in the way we're used to seeing her mm-hmm. it's a bit She's restrained being, yes yeah. mm-hmm. it's like constrained mm-hmm. whack job mm-hmm. and that's also <laughs> and 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 it's like you're what it's like a more of a slow unravel of a character for her where like you're right. watching her character unravel slowly and you're like Oh, because you're already thinking to yourself with the premise of this show, people who work at a home shopping like network, you're already like, if your career is built on this, that that gives us some things to know about you (laughs) and why this turned out to be your career. But the character that Molly Shannon is playing, watching that thing unravel and get like wilder and wild. Yes. Yes. And I don't shout out to the stylist. Whoever's doing wardrobe on that show, perfection. Big Every facts. single character has a distinct look. Look, anybody, Molly Shannon, send me a jacket. I know. Listen, not the same I love a bold blazer. Kalundra. I love a bold blazer. Please love match it. with a different color bold pants. We're not talking about people who are just wearing a, a monochrome outfit here. These are magenta blazers with orange pants like things are happening in this and white go-go boots but somehow (laughs) it goes together really really well like they are and then the chick who is supposed to be like a spoof of a real housewife who got a hsn show Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just i don't even know what's going on with her and the character who i'm gonna call jerry falwell jr yes (laughs) yes Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I thank you for bringing that reference because it's there's an accuracy. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That. Wow. Like I saw the title and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I was like, oh, they don't mean like in the sense of like what is currently slang to be like, oh, I love that for you. Like, I love that life for you. That. But also with home shopping, I love this faux chinchilla blanket for you (laughs) as well y'all gotta check that one out because that 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 show there it brought me a lot of joy and it is very wonderful to see jennifer lewis in this like 
next mo- next move, next moment in her career. It is wonderful to see her yeah. in that role. Honey, okay. Let's and she see. got a concubine. Child, okay, the way... Okay, I, before we move on, I need to speak to this a little bit, Kalundra, because I remember watching the first few episodes of How to Get Away with Murder, for example. And I was like, not Viola getting it like this. Ah! Okay, this is me watching Jennifer Lewis getting it. Jennifer Lewis is getting it on this show, okay? She is getting some things she only referred to, her character only referred to on Blackish. Yeah. She is getting it. It is happening on this show. Right. I also love that for her. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I only aspire. Mm-hmm. I can only aspire. Love that for you, Jennifer Lewis. Love that for you. Okay, let's talk about best drama. You brought up a show that I haven't watched, but my husband watched. Can you discuss the merits of The Watcher? Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> First of all, before I describe The Watcher, let me just say that I'm so happy Jennifer Coolidge is having her Mm -hmm, moment. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. Jennifer Coolidge is a special brand of human being. And I am just so happy to see her having this like reemergence and getting all of these like really interesting roles. Yes. So let's talk about The Watcher. The Watcher on Netflix, based on a true story. What? Yes. Yes. I don't think I knew that part. Based on a true story. Okay. Okay. Based on a true story that happened in New Jersey. Um, And essentially what we have is this family is moving into this beautiful suburban New England home. They move in and the neighborhood and the neighbors are not what they think. Huh. There is a quote unquote historical society that is hell bent on making sure that people don't make certain alterations to these homes, which we find out is for very, very terrifying, shady and unscrupulous reasons. Wow. (laughs) So all I have to say is that dead bodies happen Secret passageways happen. Money laundering happens. It's it's all happening. This Me saying these things is not giving away anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what the core of the, the show is getting at is the social conditions that people set up trying to like kind of keep up with the Joneses huh. or keep up appearances or have a certain like protected suburban lifestyle and like the cost of that. Wow. And it's real... Real wild. But then there's also this element of it, Amina, of like how policing young women's bodies huh. and like their purity is hmm. also mission critical to like the preservation of like the white suburban upper middle class nuclear family mm. in a way that's like very slick in there. Wow. I don't know. The Watcher is, it's something. And it's, it's a show that I could watch again. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And probably like pick up different things each yes. time you watched it. Mm, if I wasn't such a scaredy cat, honey, you, you, you might would have got me. But I, I, I looked at the trailer for a little while and I was like, nope, that's nightmares for me. That's <laughs> nightmares for me. Let's talk about a show that we both watched. We have talked a little bit about it, but now we are second season. Best drama for us, P-Valley. Oh, down in the valley where the girls get naked. Ooh, I just almost want to write a love letter to this show. I love this show so much. Kalundra, <laughs> you and I spoke about this because we both were into the first season. We were both so excited to see this show also get renewed for a second season. We are two seasons deep. What were your thoughts about season two of P-Valley, seeing where these characters developed? Tell tell me the vibes. So first of all, let me just say shout out to creator Katori Hall. Big facts. Um, yes. I actually, shameless plug, uh, did a profile of Katori Hall 
for the Bitter Southerner. So love it. Bitter mm-hmm. Southerner magazine. We're going to put it in the show notes. Y'all going to have a link to that article in the show notes. Come on, journalist, Calendra Smith. Uh-huh, <laughs> yes. And for those who are in Atlanta, know that you will be able to see the Hot Wing King which is the play that is kind of a spinoff of P-Valley ah. at the Alliance Theater in 2023. Come so on, Calendra. Oh, come on and give us the tips and the tea today. Yes. 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 So in 2023, if you were in Atlanta, look for the Hot Wing King because the Hot Wing King is kind of like a little bit of a spinoff of P-Valley and it's the play version. Okay. Mm, so anyway, man, okay. talking about second season mm. of P-Valley. Katori went places I didn't expect. Okay. When you open the season with a makeshift strip club car wash, I'm already. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. Not ready. <laughs> because, because y'all, some of y'all are not from the South. I know there are strip clubs everywhere, but ain't no strip club, that strip club, like the strip club in the South. So to have this season open with how are strip clubs in the South surviving the pandemic? Mm-hmm. had me like, wow, wow, yes, continue. A strip club car wash where you could also get a 10-piece wing dusted with THC. <laughs> like, so much there. Let's let's break it down. So but many layers. Also, to then have, you know, I will say the characters that most fascinated me this season were Lil Murda and Miss Mississippi. Yeah. Because we see Mississippi, first of all, the episode they gave her, which I think is called Cinderella or mm, something like that. It was mm-hmm. like a Cinderella story or something. The episode they gave her that gives us a background of who she is and how she ended up in that abusive relationship was just so well crafted. And then we see her really have to figure out a way out of this situation that like dancing can't get her out of. Oof. And I think that's such a pointed moment is like, the pandemic and the situ- and how it exacerbated situations for people in certain, um, like I guess in certain social socioeconomic mm-hmm, situations, mm-hmm. like it's like yeah, you money can't get you out of this necessarily. Like it's, yeah. it's something more to it. And then with Lil Murda, same thing right. in a situation where it's like money can't necessarily get you out of this flossing, no matter what you do. Like there's some real stuff going on here. The surprise boyfriend, lover, brother. I don't even know. Like, I just. There was a lot. I was along for the ride. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of layers to that plot that like, I I want to give a shout out to Katori and the P-Valley team for giving us these layers of relationships between men and Mm -hmm. where a relationship can can be romantic between men and Mm -hmm. also have this very protective brother friend kind of I mean the layers of that relationship between Lil Murda and his friend who also then became his security I'm about to call him Diamond but that's that's somebody else why am I making up names Diamond was the security for the club Diamond was security for the club but what was his name Thaddeus am I making that up (laughs) why can't I remember his name child they had a nickname they called him in the show, though. I think his government name was, the character's government name was Thaddeus. But they had a nickname they called him, Lil Murda's friend that he knew from prison, who had then right. come out of prison. As Lil Murda was going on tour, they were asking him to be secure. You know what? It was Thaddeus. You're right. Okay. Okay. Like, the layers of that relationship was just touching haunting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like the way Katori plays around with the idea of what can be haunting in this show Mm -hmm. that that is not just the way we think of a horror film or a scary movie it's also the relationships that are gone away it's a grief that can be haunting. It's the life we thought we were going to have. And now we don't have that life. I mean, there's just some ways she layered that that were just masterful to me. Oh, yeah. She was trying to be on her Toni Morrison, honestly, um, with that. And then also, shout out to Patrice Woodbine. Okay. Who running of Chuckalisa being a pastor Lord. on pole. I've never seen Ooh. anything like it. I mean, the uh, way she gave those people the sermon and the twerk, honey. I was, I was, for a split second, 
singing Calandria. And you know, I don't be going to church like that. But for a split second, I was like, is that my pastor? Could I have a pastor that do that? <laughs> I mean, I could kind of be into it. A black woman who's going like, here's a little bit about Jesus. Here's a little twist in my booty cheek. It's just something about those two things that really just came together for me. On a parade float, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's give time, place, and manner. Okay. Please, uh, please. Mm. <laughs> I want to give a special shout out to Gail Bean playing yes. roulette in this show. Many of you that are insecure watchers remember her from Insecure as well, right? She was her. She had a character that was dating yes. Lawrence. And insecure. Tasha, I think, may have been her name in Insecure. Gail Bean been acting for a long time, honey. So I'm I'm very excited to see Gail Bean getting her due out here. But this, the way she is playing roulette on this show, these gum pops that are happening when roulette <laughs> is chewing gum and she is just popping gum and telling the people what they need to know. I just, I really am enjoying her character and what her character is going to become. I like it. I like to see it. And then talk about haunting her and is it, what's the other girl, Whisper? The witch yes, girl? because it's kind of like they like a devil, angel kind of. Yeah. But, but who Our is Latina the angel? But who is her. the devil? Mm. Creepy. It's it's all, the, they're creepy together, but like in a good way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was very, I was very like a little bit afraid, but also fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> very fascinated. I'm very excited, y'all, to see that P-Valley was renewed for a third season. What are your thoughts thinking about what could be on this third season, Calendra? We know that the actress playing Autumn Knight is not returning. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. I'm curious about I'm just curious about quite a few things. What Katori can do with all of the things that were left undone at the end of season two. Mm hmm. mm -hmm. Well, I, I, where Katori has me a little puzzled, and but I'm excited about it, is I don't know what then becomes the thing that keeps them together. Huh. Because she left us in a place where everything is splintering. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. So I think there's a possibility that we have a lot of the same characters, but in a new place mm. or in new circumstances. Hmm. And so that's exciting because it'll almost feel like the show is starting over mm -hmm. in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. So we don't get exhausted with the storyline because there are a lot of things that were left undone that need to be tied up. Like we don't know what happens to Mississippi. We don't know how Mercedes going to get out of this situation Ooh. with the coach and his wife. Listen. Good Lord. Um, her daughter. We don't know how that situation is going to end up. We don't know how Uncle Clifford and uh, Lil Murda, you know, uh, resolve or fail to resolve. You know, we just there are so many unknowns, but also the pink is still in jeopardy. Right. Right. So mm. I don't know. I don't know. I think the casino opening represents a whole different possibility. And it's kind of like, it's not it's not reminding me completely of The Wire, but of the fact that as the seasons of The Wire went on, there were all of these layers of corruption, right? That in The Wire, it's like, okay, here we have the corner boys and we see, you know, drugs. Okay, well, now we see the police are also corrupt, but now we see the government is also corrupt, right? So I'm interested to see now that we've got this character who's become the mayor of Chuckalisa and we have the people who are fighting behind the scenes to see the casino happen. Very curious to see how far up are we about to see this corruption? How far are we about to see what's light and what's dark and the dif different ways you can define that as well, you know? Mm -hmm. It's going to be fascinating, mm -hmm. Katori. Give it to the people. Give it to the people, Katori Hall. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've been waiting to discuss this. We are talking about best new TV series, Calendra. I want the bear to enter the chat right now because I have been waiting to discuss this with you. You know that a girl is like an amateur foodie in her life. You know a girl is, is involved in that. So I am always here for a foodie type of show. But the bear... It just did even more. It was just very sumptuous of a watch for me. Discuss mm -hmm. your thoughts about the bear. Were you surprised by it? Tell me the things. 
The bear to me is uh, stressful. I, I wasn't, <laughs> I've never felt such tension and stress watching a show probably since Scandal. Like mm. the bear, because because what they have so brilliantly done is they capture the pace of what it is to work in the kitchen at a fast casual restaurant that's in the middle of a rush. And, but also it's a mom and pop type place where there are, there's family drama, there's corruption, they're dealing with the pandemic. How do we survive monetarily? There, there's splintered family relationships. There's all these things happening and everybody has something at stake with the survival of this restaurant. And so it just throws you in. I, it, that's why it reminded me of theater in so many ways. I've never seen a TV show that literally like, they, it drops you in and you feel like you are standing in the kitchen in the middle of this restaurant and you have, you're useless. You don't know, you want to help, but you can't. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. You trying to pick up a skillet or chop an onion and there is nothing. And they deal with generational differences. Yep. They deal with class differences. They deal with educational differences. Like, and it's, it's so Chicago in yes. a lot of ways. And yes. my my dad is from Chicago, you know, and so it, there are parts of it that are so like, yeah, only this could only be Chicago mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Oof. Like, I think you described it so well that that feeling in some ways did feel like how a play can feel because so much of the show is in this tight little space in this kitchen. Whereas in a lot of TV shows that were, you know, about a restaurant, there's all these other places to go. And they really kept you for a lot of the show sort of feeling stuck as we find some of the characters feeling stuck as well. I was not I was I was late to the bear on a level, but I was seeing people tweet about it. And I was seeing people tweet about how they dated guys that were like the central character. And I couldn't tell if that was complimentary <laughs> or yeah, yeah. if that was like, yeah. this ain't the type of man. They were like, I have dated this kind of chef bro <laughs> and this ain't what you want. So I was like watching them, you know, and I was like, let me go check out this show. Then I want to shout out the character Sydney being played by Io Ediberry. Um, yeah, uh, if there was going to be a spinoff, let it follow her because these braids, this skin, I just everything, everything. Yeah, her character totally. I didn't see her coming. I did not see her coming. Didn't. No, very unexpected. It was it was like unexpected to see her character unexpected what world her character is coming from into the world of this sort of mom and pop show. And for those of you that have, that have not checked out The Bear, The Bear, I mean, tell me if I get this right, Calandra, because sometimes I'd be embellishing. Okay, but basically to me, The Bear is about a restaurant that was owned by a brother who when he died, he left the restaurant to his younger brother. But there was tension in that leaving because of how the brother died. And there was also tension because the little brother was never really welcomed in the restaurant at like when the brother was alive. So it's a big surprise that the brother would leave the restaurant to him. But Mm -hmm. herein, the little brother has become a bit of a somebody in the Mm -hmm. food world. He is out here in, with the aioli. He is he is of the aioli and not of the mayo. Y'all know the vibes if you're a foodie person, okay? He is a person who is talking about the aioli, not the mayo. His brother got a Chicago, it's like Chicago's down-home food kind of restaurant. So mm-hmm. to see this younger brother coming home, but kind of unwillingly coming home mm-hmm. because he has to under some sad circumstances and now meeting up against the people who have been there holding down the restaurant all along and all that ensues from there. I mean, it was a fascinating watch. It's a mess. And, you know, as much of a, as much as Carmi, the brother, the central character, right, is a, is a questionable character. I will say that if I was in that situation, the brother trying to bake the chocolate cake in the back would have sent me over there. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. We serve Italian beef. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what you 
on making tulle. We don't need chocolate tulle here. We need braised beef, my guy. Period. Period. He would have sent me over the edge. Good night. Good night. Although Marcus's little tender heart, you know, and Marcus and Sydney's characters, the little, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to give us for season two, but, you know. There's a there there. You know, they, they had a couple moments that I was like, hmm, what's going on here between y'all? What What else is cooking? Uh-huh. No, I like what else is cooking. Mm-hmm. I like how you did that. Uh- <laughs> what else is cooking? We want to know. Okay. Talk to me about our next television show from Issa Rae. We have to discuss rap shit. You know, if Instagram was a TV show, that's what Issa Rae <laughs> <Yeah>. gave <laughs> I'm trying to see, is this a compliment, Kalundra? <laughs> Do we like it? What are the vibes? Well, but that's the thing about the show. It's like, I think Issa is simultaneously like celebrating an element of Black culture and also completely satirizing it mm. and like poking fun of it mm. because... She is using Miami and like this kind of like hustle to get on as like a way of showing how people spend more time, more time trying to like hustle and get around a thing than actually becoming Mm. and doing Mm -hmm, the thing. mm -hmm. But also like. It's just ridiculous. Like Shauna as a protagonist is an absurd idea because you've got this girl in her early 30s who like is a super woke SoundCloud rapper <laughs> with five followers who, cer- who, who certainly sounds like she did spoken word at one time. Like that was immediately absolutely. the vibes I felt like, oh, this is a slam poet. I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Queen of the open mic. Mm-hmm. And like she teams up with basically a young Miami type mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> played very brilliantly by Chameleon. Um, and they decide they're going to get on and become this rap duo. But like, it really, they're having to then question along the way how much of themselves they're willing to give up, right. how much of themselves they're willing right. to compromise. Mm-hmm. To make it and like, what are they even aiming for to begin with? It's 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 very very it's smart, mm-hmm. which we expect from Issa, but also I think in a lot of ways it's like a takedown of Instagram culture. Huh. Now see, Kalundra, you don't brought a point out right there. You don't brought a point out because I didn't even think about that. But yes, yes, Kalundra. And another thing, I felt I felt this a little bit watching Insecure that I knew that the generation of Black women that Issa was writing about wasn't my generation. But I loved getting that, like, I feel like I'm sort of the tail end of Gen X, right? And so I loved watching Insecure and thinking, oh, these were similar things that maybe my girlfriends and I were talking about when that was our phase of life. But then also being like, oh, these things we weren't talking about because that wasn't a thing we experienced because that is the difference, you know, in the generation. I felt that even, I felt even more separation watching rap shit. <laughs> I immediately felt like some things is going on here that I just know nothing about. Let me watch and find out. And this is a show that is loosely based on the story of the City Girls, like the, the mm-hmm. hip-hop group, the City Girls, right? So I was just fascinated. I'm fascinated watching rap shit like, wow, okay, that's how those lyrics got like that. Hmm. Oh, girl, that shit is a hit, okay? As soon as they did, I I around the house will hit it sometimes. Sadus, Eskim. <laughs> Please, we don't know where the M is on the end. It's lost. We don't know. It's a deuce asking. That's it. That's it. I don't know where the M is at. Y'all ask, ask, ask your mama where the M is at. We don't know. Okay. Yes. 
There are yes. some good one-liners too in that show. Like when she's on her little like Instagram or TikTok videos and she's like, well, you a five-star bitch. You make them pay for every star. I was like, this is such a hot mess. Who wrote this? Not, not me watching like, that's right, girl. Every right, star. Girl. Every star, honey. Every star. <laughs> <sighs> okay. My last category we have to talk about this because you and I both love a good old docu-series, honey. Yes. I need you to speak to me about Victoria's Secret Angel and Demons docu-series. So, you know, as I call them, I love a scamumentary. Mm-hmm. Come on, Kalundra, bring it back to the people. And there's no greater scam than... Capitalism. And so... <laughs> we wish it wasn't true. Secret. We wish she was telling a lie, but it's the truth. Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons. If you don't watch not but one scamumentary this This is the one. Year, this is. It's top tier. It might have, if we're ranking, if I'm, if I'm thinking about the rankings from last year, it may almost edge out Lula Rich. Almost. <sighs> For me, I can feel it though. I can feel you. Uh huh. Because the, 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 let me, let me just tell you my own personal experience with this. So, if you haven't seen Victoria's Secret Angels and Demons, it is about Lex Wexler, who is the man who acquired Victoria's Secret. He's the he's the man who is at the top of limited brands. Mm-hmm. Limited brands is Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, and it was on Rebendell. So, what happens in this show is we see how the Victoria's Secret fashion shows and the photo shoots and that brand almost became like um, a cover up. Hmm. for sexual assault and sexual harassment. Right, right. With what was happening with the models on these sets mm-hmm. and how all of these different millionaires and billionaires include, well, I won't say any names, mm-hmm. are like involved uh-huh. in this. But it's some well-known well, names on the list there. Mm-hmm. Some well-known names mm-hmm. on the list. It's some very Epstein-adjacent stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, what's so wild about this, Amina, is you, what you may not know about me is that there was a period of time where I worked for Bath and Body Works. My, my. And I will tell you that when you work for Bath and, when I worked for Bath and Body Works, this was about 10 years ago, the narrative about who Victoria was and the narrative about how This small town couple started this lingerie shop for all women and then it got discovered and it made Victoria this wealthy woman. And isn't this so amazing? They told us that story. Wow. Like it's in the onboarding. They don't tell you that like none of this is true. It's all lies. There is no Victoria. Mm -mm. She ain't even got a secret. That's the secret. That's that the secret that no there ain't no Victoria. <laughs> like it's ingrained in the way they did the employee onboarding. So as I'm watching this unfold, I'm like, hold up now. Okay. <laughs> we're thinking we're working for a small business that got acquired by a large corporation that has then expanded to become a global brand. When in fact, it's all just made up. Wow. It's a brand narrative gone haywire. That's it. That's it. And that's all. Mm. I mean, I have I have really enjoyed these brand takedowns, these brand takedown documentaries. I want to give a special shout out as well to White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. Because you can't like you can't watch the Victoria's Secret documentary without also sort of placing it in this historical context Mm -hmm. of what was happening in the era. What were the messages that women were being given that Mm -hmm. women of different cultures and size and like there's all these layers there that you then place the messages of Victoria's Secret 
into there. I mean, we are currently watching Victoria's Secret, honestly, try to play catch up running behind Savage Fenty and Rihanna now because Savage Fenty was one of the first brands to really push for that kind of true inclusion. Right. So to see this takedown of Abercrombie and Fitch, a store that I passed by in the mall all the time growing up and was Mm -hmm. like, I hope those white people enjoy that store. I I hope they have a good time in there, but that just seemed like a place I should not (laughs) go in. I never went in Mm -mm. Abercrombie and Fitch. Like it's, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because even as a kid, as a teenager, it was like I would pass by it in that strong, horrible cologne would out. And it was, I, but I always knew I wasn't welcome. Yeah. Like it wasn't for me. Yep. So interesting. That message was very strong. So yes, shout out to these docu-series. Oh my gosh, Kalindra, I could talk to you forever and ever. Oh, thank you so much, Kalindra, for coming on and sharing your thoughts with the people I know that you are doing a lot of amazing things. Tell the people, where can they find you? What's next for Calundra? What what are you what are you out here giving the people in the arts right now? Thank you so much for having me. This is always so much fun. And uh, they can find me. I'm Calundra Smith, K-E-L-U-N-D-R-A, last name Smith. I'm the only one out there. If you find it, it's me. If if you find somebody else, it's a lie. (laughs) Um, So they can find me at Calundra.com on my website. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm not leaving. I must witness the fall of Twitter in real time because somebody must document it. Um, That's <laughs> I'm right. on LinkedIn That's right. and all those things. Um, and you can see, uh, if you look at my website and look at my social, you'll see me post about articles that I have coming out, as well as when my plays will have readings and shows. I've got some things that are going on that I can't talk about right now. But if you go to my website, you'll be able to see when I announce it. Yes. Y'all make sure y'all go to the socials, follow Calundra there, and we will make sure we link to some articles as well so that people can click on those in the show notes, honey. Calundra, thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you. Produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. <laughs>